0: and uh she's not gonna like it that i did this but she's back there running the show so it's wave to bailey back there in the room the tech room yeah bailey uh so proud of her she bailey risk is the real deal and uh, god's going to use her in an amazing way to help on the artistic creative expressions of players box uh, particularly in the realm of video and media and uh, this is so critical because Today's subject matter is about uh, how there's so much more to students than, than this culture will allow them to be, truthfully. Uh, last night, I had my 40th high school reunion, which I know that's shocking because only old people have their 40th high school reunion. Uh, it was actually 41st year because last year, especially last year, it was COVID. And just being around uh, some of my peers who, friends of mine, I would not seen some of them in 40 years since, since high school. And just a wonderful group of people. I just love the, the people that I graduated with. And, and uh, my high school experience was really positive. And uh, it was interesting to hear them how they w- w- described me in high school. Because I didn't remember what I was like. Do you, you remember what you were really like in high school? I don't I mean, I didn't really know. And, and yet, today's subject matter, had I been able to live out then what I lived out, what I live out now because of jesus um i don't think some of their descriptors in terms of what in today's language the little you part of me they would have described it as and i just can't tell you how much i'm excited about this content today because we're going to do a pub a, a player's box lesson but we're going to show you the gospel underpinnings of this truth That every student and parent who's gone through his player's box knows this dichotomy principle that I'm teaching today, and it applies to every student, every parent, every person in this room. If I told you today that I'm not going to have much time to preach in coming weeks because a talent scout was here last week and wants to sign me up for songwriting... Would there be a part of you that would just hesitate a minute because that was so good last week that you thought, I think he's got it. I think he's got it. Yeah, I think he's got songwriting. And if you missed that, you missed the highlight of my whole career. Like like my ministry peak was last weekend, okay? I got nothing better. Uh, I had some people saying, there's no way you wrote that. There's no way you wrote that. Well, it was good then, wasn't it? If you thought I didn't write it, then it was good, And you'll never listen to Cats in the Cradle the same way ever again the rest of your life. Whenever you hear Harry Chapin on the radio, you'll never hear Cats in the Cradle the same way. But the whole point of that is, is that I love, the part of life that I love that Jesus gives me the foundation for is to say, you know what, I'm going to write a song and perform it in front of people because why? They don't expect me to do that. I don't expect me to do that. My friends that I graduated with high school, a couple of them still shake their head and go, I've watched you online what happened to you like how did you end up there and i say it's 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 why i'm excited about this subject matter today because it it um it's truth and it works it works my uh dear friend bart Girdwood, bart and eileen and and uh, their family they're here today and he wrote me an email last week because as you guys know if you've ever led anything if you just if you want to be criticized, just do something that people haven't done before. Right? It's just like, I still to this day it's just it's one of the things that surprises me about any kind of leadership is just do something that hasn't been done and you will get criticism. But Bart, I'm not going to read you the critical stuff. Okay, I'm going to read you what Bart wrote me. I wanted to write you and let you know that I believe that your message today last Sunday on the why of Players' Box is one of the best I've ever heard. As you spoke, I continued to hear myself say yes, yes, yes. I am that third grader in math. And I mentioned last week that my core like, target in this is that little third grade guy who's great at math. And now he can find the great mathematician who made all the math that works in this universe through players box and through people who love him. And uh, he said, I'm not third grader in math. I'm the preacher's kid performing each Sunday knowing that we were a train wreck at home but required to be the Cleavers when out in public. I am that Enneagram 3 that continues to hear his mother say, that's great that you got a 97 on your test, Barton, but what did you miss? Player's box is a concept that is sorely needed in our society, not only for our children, but for our wounded adults as well. Interestingly, as my grandsons are going through player's box, I find myself beginning to initiate the process of identification with pressure situations in my life whether those are future-altering ones from my past or whether they are newfound ones arising as I lead my practice, uh, Bart is, a, is an orthodontist, or as I compete in triathlons. Like you, I also wish that Players Box had been around when I was parenting my children. Eileen and I had the same personality info on our kids. Uh, we used the Enneagram testing as well as the Smalley system but lacked the knowledge to know what to do with it. Would Player's Box have prevented all of our family struggles? No. But it definitely would have made the road to recovery more accessible and a bit smoother. Yet even now, Player's Box provides a pathway to reconciliation and forgiveness. And it's so important for those of us who, like myself, our children are grown. That last statement is very important. You're not done parenting, are you, parents? No. Um, It's amazing that one can be considered a successful 55-year-old, yet be one who still has so many things to work through. The growth mindset that we teach in Player's Box is so refreshing and has such a huge capacity for renewal in it. So, my friend, be assured that you have hit the target, albeit 46 years after the fact for this third grader. And I want you to know that I've got your back, and I am all in, your brother Bart. Isn't that great? I mean, I, I just so appreciate that because... Uh, again we as far as the church world goes nobody's tried what we're doing nobody's put it in a thing that says six days a week we are going to be a mediation point an intermediary for parents and students under pressure and so uh for me that because every time you do something new it's like am i a little crazy for doing this i'm i'm you know like Just rest, Charlie. Relax a little bit. And yet, there's so much pain in this area. So let me take you through something, okay? So today, I want to take you through something. This series is is based on the irreducible minimum of player's box. And that is, if you want to be a player's boxer, then it is just simply this. I am learning who I am, and I am learning whose I am. It's that simple. I'm beginning to understand my personality type, my learning style, my ability level, my yes factor... But whose I am is what we're going to learn today is I am a beloved child of the Most High God with supreme value and worth just as I am today, irregardless uh, of, uh, regardless of my ACT score, regardless of my free throw shooting percentage, regardless of how well I did in my recital. I am a beloved child of God. And that allows a student, imagine a student who's growing up from Pre-elementary, elementary elementary on, when we get that kickstarted and growing up, just having this embedded in their mind, performance pressure is something I'll never avoid, but I have the understanding of who I am and whose I am that will undergird that. And the way we teach that in player's box is this dichotomy, this binary reality called big you, little you. Every time you have performed in your life, you have brought one of two voices to that stage that field that classroom with you every single time you have brought either the voice of big you or the voice of little you and i'll explain what these are in a minute but let me go through the the actual mechanics of it before i give you some word pictures little you is the talker it's the one that's constantly lap, yapping in your head big you just does it's just the doer little you constantly gives direction and correction darn you keep your head down don't make a mistake keep your wrist firm you know better than this have you practiced at all did you just start playing this game it's just constantly condemning and judging big you simply acts little you in simplest terms the way to understand little you it's that judgmental self that self-condemning self and big you just plays and performs with no judgment, only fact. In other words, little you says, you idiot. It makes a judgment. Big U says, you missed it. That's a fact. That's okay. That's reality. Big U doesn't deal in non-reality. Oh no, that was wonderful that you blew it there. No, it deals in reality. You missed it. That's okay, but doesn't make a judgment. It doesn't make a judgment of self. Little you has never prepared enough and does not trust Big U. Big you just trusts the studying, trust the training. Just trust it. You've done what you can. Go go into this little. U complains and criticizes. It's one of the interesting things about in the in the last ten years in, in neuroscience discovery is how much complaining and criticizing other people shrinks us. Literally shrinks us. It shrinks our brain. Uh, Big U is full of gratitude. So big you people who flow, they just—they just, they live in a state of, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful. Little you makes mistakes, personal, pervasive, and per- permanent. I am a bad, I have a bad, I will always be bad. Big U calls only fact, there's no judgment only fact, that ball was long, I did poorly on that test, forgot my line. Little U tries hard, and this is a big one we teach, That I, this is the biggest pushback that I can see whenever I'm teaching this in front of, of adults, this, this one right here is the one they go, well, no, 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 this, this can't be true you, what you're saying. Little U tries hard, Big U flows. So one of the things we teach is that in performance, 100% effort is not the most efficient effort, do you know that? How many of you were told by your parents, have you told your kids, you need to give 110%. You need to give a mathematically impossible effort to this this right now. And we've been told that. And our dad told us that, and our grandpa told us that, that only 100% effort. In your actuality, 90% effort is the most efficient movement where you're relaxed, but you're focused. Your focused relaxation because that allows for flow more. So th- here, right here, right here. This is, so, this is going to benefit kids all over Dayton, Ohio, what I'm about to say. Don't ever say to your kid again, try harder if they're already giving 90% effort. Because if you get into 100%, it actually tenses up the muscles, which now we know literally slows the brain and the body down 0.3 seconds. It actually slows you down when you try too hard. Little U focuses on outcomes. Big U focuses on the simplest process. My dear friend, Brooke Cups, many of you know Brooke. He, he is a coach at Centerville, and he just came out with a book, Surrender the Outcome. There's a plug for Brooke's book right there. Surrender the Outcome, what is that? That's about this. That's about how big you just focuses on process. I studied. I've done what I can do. I, I drank water. I got good rest last night. I trust that. Little U is trying to make it happen. Big U is going to let it happen. Little U is actually an insecure ego fullness. The ego is so dependent upon the right outcome, whereas Big U is ego-less. My my self-worth has already been set. It was set 2,000 years ago on a cross outside Jerusalem on a Friday afternoon. That's my worth. That was my purchase price. And if I get this score that I want, I'm not any more worthy. If I don't, I'm not less worthy. And that's what we're going to get into here in a minute. Little U is a fast mind. Big U is a slow mind. Now, let me show you something that is the theological underpinnings of this. And this is the part I'm really excited about because we, we have not in player's box. We don't get to this level of theological depth. But I want to show you that everything we teach is rooted in the truth of the gospel both the bad news of the good news and the good news of the good news that's what gospel means it it literally means good news now so here is uh i'm going to run you through a survey of the book of romans if all we had for a new testament were the 16 chapters of the book of romans we would know what it is to live in the freedom of christ if that's all we had and you can divide romans into three sections ruin redemption and restoration. It's real easy to remember. Romans 1 to 3 is really where the apostle Paul is saying this virus that's loose in the universe that was introduced to us by Adam and Eve has ruined us. Have you seen people who have had COVID, had pneumonia, and it's it's like the long-term effects of this are what's scary because you just, like some of you got it and you said, oh my gosh, I've had 10 flus worse than this. But other people have gotten it, and, and six months later, they still can't taste. They still can't, they can't smell. They, they still are short of wind. They're still weak. It, so think about that magnified, that sin is not just something we do. Sin is an entity. It is a viral reality that has infected the human race. And in Romans 1 to 3, Paul says, everyone is infected. Everyone is infected. Uh, the way in in a concise term he puts it is in chapter 3 verse 23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God every single one of us is has been either by our own volition or the, the volition of others we have all been infected with a virus that is of the soul that is of the spirit and it shrinks us that's one of the things it does it shrinks us as we'll see in a moment that it kills this virus is a deadly killer of the soul of the spirit and so he he just over and over he says there's no one righteous not even one he says everyone's infected with this everyone look at that phrase the glory of god in Invis- it's it's uh, in scripture in Ephesians 2 he uses the imagery of a piece of art that has been defamed that's the imagery he uses in Ephesians 2 so you were this artwork that sin distorted and defamed. In the words of big you, little you, it has shrunk you. Because what sin does is we are born with a, a default to fear and pessimism. The natural state of the human brain is not peace. Do you know that? The natural state of the human brain is fear and chaos. If you just let your brain go, you look like Americans right now, right? Like we're crazy, right? We're just, we're pretty much nuts. But the, the natural, that's why your dreams are crazy is once your conscious self is no longer controlling your mind and thoughts, had any of you ever had dreams of you, you go, what the heck was that? What was that all about? And that's because sin, I believe, is, it's, it's, a re, it's the, re, the reduction of humanity through this viral reality called sin. But there's good news. And you really don't know the good news until you know that bad news. And the good news is, is that Christ has redeemed us. And this is the argument he lays in Romans 4 to 11. He just gives these arguments over and over in different ways. I said if we had Romans, we could know what it is to live in the freedom of Christ. If we had Romans 8, if that's all you had the rest of your life, you would know what it is to live in the freedom and the big you of Christ. That's you would, you would know what it takes to live in a way that you go, man, I was a songwriter and I didn't know it. <laughs> I, I am this and I didn't know it. That you begin, in the words of Soren Kierkegaard, now with God's help I shall become myself. Because what he does is he lays this argument that the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Now we are artistic works that were defamed and are on the process of being redeemed. Four, here's the core verse, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus in Jesus Christ our Lord. And every time somebody sees that, they think that this is all about, you know, Jesus gives you this gift of heaven after you die. Right? That's how in the West we're trained that, that, have, that, that the gift of eternal life is this insurance policy you have that you can live like a hellion, while you, but when, you're going, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And that's actually not at all. It, that eternal life is not a quantitative statement. It's a qualitative statement. You'll have an eternal quality to your life that will last forever. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said some people, they have lives that are just wood, hay, and straw. And it's going to be consumed by the fire of reality. But those of us in Christ have the lives of gold and silver. What happens to gold and silver when it's under heat? It gets purified. It gets, it gets stronger. And this is, the, this is what eternal life is, that, that sin kills. But the gift of God in Jesus Christ is an eternal quality redemption. Redemption. That it's not just about, oh, I go to heaven when I die. It's I have a quality of makeup to my life that in the words of Romans 8, I have the same power in me that, that raised Christ from the dead. That's the same resurrection power that there is, there is a belief about who I am that is not just psychological fluff. It is rooted in a reality so great that only the creator of the universe can define this, this quality of life. And this is why you'll see now why this would be the verse of big you little you right here. Romans 8 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice he doesn't say there's a little bit of condemnation. But there's some condemnation. He says, No, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, verse two, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, eternal life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That what your life is about is not self-salvation through religion, through academic, artistic or athletic achievement. Do, do you know do you know how religious in this country arts, academics and athletics are? They're self-salvation. If you get the right scores, if you get the right grades, you are you are you are free. You are set you have self, that's what it's a, it's a religious fervor in our country for these things it's just another version of a heresy of works religion if you do enough you can be saved you can be set free and paul comes along in a comprehensive way he says whether it's religion whether it's performance it doesn't matter whatever it is what will set you free is to know that the core truth of you is jesus christ living in you and there's no condemnation in that he is beyond condemnation. He lived a righteous life, and now that life lives in you. Now think about growing a third-grade guy who he's, he's, this little guy is really good at math. And the tendency will be if he doesn't fulfill his mathematic potential, he falls short of the glory of his family. Right? But what if that little guy is trained in, it is wonderful that the great mathematician made you good at math, but that's not who you are you are rooted in a reality so great that the cosmos knows this truth that you are a beloved mathematician of the most high god with supreme value and worth just as you are today regardless of your math scores because you know what there's gonna be somebody who's better at math than you are there is there's gonna be somebody who outperforms you but that doesn't matter that doesn't matter and this one is huge for me because growing up in a shame-based family where i constantly felt short fell short you know i was just constantly inadequate this is just one of my core verses when shame wants to attack me wasn't that a great song that we sang that new song that the group led us in that I, I love songs that are grammatically incorrect, don't you? I just love songs that, that just, those, those you grammatists out there are going, oh my gosh, this song is grammatically incorrect. And you need player's box is what you need to see that <laughs> it's not about a song being grammatically perfect. It's just about, man, it just delivers a message that shame, shame no longer has any power over me. Why? Because when I sink into a shame attack, I think Rowan's A1. There's no room for condemnation in my life anymore, not even self-condemnation. And this right here is the fundamental reality that undergirds growing students and parents and the big U of security. And that leads us to this truth. Truth has restored us, Romans 12 to 16. The truth will set you free. The truth that you were ruined by sin, you were born infected. Right? We know that a parent can be addicted to drugs, and that parent passes that down to the child. We know that. Where did my children get their inclinations to shame? Where did my children get inclinations to doing things that I go, wow, that's way off from their mother? They inherited it from their mother. <laughs> that's how that works it 's just biological truth friends i 'm just telling you but but we 're all we 're all born infected. Christ comes and he injects us with the antidote of his life that sets us free and then this truth begins the process of taking that work of art and restoring it and I, I kid you not, I know i 'm making fun of this, but if I mean, if you would told me 40 years ago that one day I'd stand up in front of a church and sing a song that I wrote the lyrics to, borrowing the melody from Harry Chapin, I would, you'd, I'd go, yeah, right. But it's a big deal to me because that kid who walked those hallways would never have thought that. Why? Because I wasn't on that journey of restoration. Basketball was my salvation. You understand? I was going to find salvation for my family and my family name and me by, by, through basketball. It was my Savior. I don't know if you know this, but there are people who are better at basketball than you are. And, but this truth has restored us, and here's the truth. Therefore, therefore, anytime you come across a therefore in Scripture, you need to go back and see what it's there for. That's the rule. So anytime you come across a the therefore, what's that there for? Therefore is therefore, because therefore, since you were ruined, but now you're redeemed, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies. Oh my gosh, we're onto something here. That your body affects your destiny. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here I am, God, all of me, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The, the, you are in big you when you're in that state. That my life is now not up for grabs. It is God's. I, it belongs to God. Every, every effort I give, every line I study is all for the glory of God, and it's my act of worship. It's amazing how your batting ad- average will go up when your self-worth is not dependent upon your batting average, but it's, it's, it's been established. And now I, I go to bat for the glory of God. I literally experienced this in my life. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is salvation through achievement. That's the pattern of the culture you live in right now. If you achieve enough, then you're worthy. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his drudgery will. Is that what it says? His good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. You'll begin to discover, I'm learning who I am, and I'm learning... Whose i am and this is what will move you into big you i mean this right here friends uh we scale the mountain of knowledge as a culture so imagine culture in the world scaling the mountain of knowledge and when we get to the top there's a book sitting there it's called the bible because this truth now has been neurologically established by science so we scale and that that truth is a, a couple things couple things that your body affects your mind. For years we knew that the way you think affects your body, but do you now know that neuroscience has discovered your body affects your mind? You can actually use your body to turn on your mind? You, know, you didn't know that, did you? Because this is discoveries in recent years in neuroscience that literally how you use your body is a determinant in your destiny. So, You can offer your body as a living sacrifice. You're now transcending performance as your salvation, and that actually captivates your mind and activates your mind. So in Player's Box, we teach one of Amy Cuddy's principles in her book, Presence, which is based on one of the most famous TED Talks ever given, and it is the Wonder Woman pose TED Talk of Amy Cuddy. And you've probably seen this, where she says, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman have this in common, that when they're ready to go, I'm here to kick your arse, uh, enemy, you know. It's not cussing if you say it like that, okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm here to, you know, is they get their legs spread apart, their chest out, their arms at their sides, and their chin is up. And now we know literally that that releases energy in your body and in your mind when you do that. Like So we teach students, literally, the power pose. Do that two minutes a day, and you will turn your brain on. That's why when, when we walk like this, we are shutting down not just our body, but our brain, our mind. So what does a peacock do when it's feeling it? What does a peacock do? Man, those feathers go out, don't they? Whoa! What does a king cobra do when you walk into the, the cage with the king cobra, and it wants to show who's boss? What does a king cobra do? Whew, and that hood comes out. Mama bears, any mama bears out there? Somebody's messing with your little bears. What do you do? You stand up and you get on your hind legs and you say, I'm big. Don't mess with my bears, right? Don't mess with my bears. Do you know that a lobster, when a lobster's feeling dominant, it actually expands in its shell, and as it does that, more it has to shed its shell that's holding its back. This is the picture of our box that we want to get kids to play out of: is that that our self belief is a shell, and that when a, doc, a lobster's dominant, it expands, and then it has to shed that. Why? Because it's expanding; it's growing inside. But when a lobster feels dominated, it shrinks in its shell. Your body affects your mind. So, when you say, in Christ, I can offer my body as a living sacrifice, it begins to affect your mind in ways that you never, never could imagine. There are two thoughts of belief. For years, people thought the mind is what the brain does. So, your brain, your, geno- your, your DNA is predetermined, you can't change it. Your mind is what the brain does. It is, it, is, it is fixed. It is your destiny. Don't think about your behavior because your behavior is now just a byproduct of how your brain was put together, how you were wired. But now neuroscience totally refutes that notion of many years. And now neuroscience has discovered the brain does the bidding of the mind. Do you know that we now know that your thoughts are actual real estate? They are actual proteins. And so the way you think literally changes your brain. It neurochemically changes your brain. You literally can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an amazing thing. We scale the mountain of knowledge, and we get to the top. We find the Bible's been sitting there the whole time saying, "Uh, I just want you to know that you really aren't the byproduct. Your destiny is not determined by your design. How you think Emerson said, thoughts rule the world. Solomon says, as a person thinks in their hearts, so they become. It's literally true. It's literally true. And this is just a fascinating thing that says that belief really, really matters. Matter does not control us. We control matter through our thinking and choosing. And I know. I mean, this is like showing a light bulb to someone 200 years ago and go, whoa, what magic is that? You know, or showing a cell phone. Can you imagine going to someone 100 years ago and showing them an Apple uh, phone uh, 13, like showing them that, they'd go, where's the steak? We're burning you, okay? <laughs> because to many of us who have grown up with this idea that we're preconditioned and that and this neuroplasticity, no, 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 no. This is like, it's not magic. It's how we are fearfully and wonderfully made by our creator. We are built infected with fear and pessimism. We are saved by Christ to be restored in love and optimism. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Do you you see a nation right now that is in fear and pessimism? It doesn't need religion. It doesn't need more achievement. We have more achievement than any country in the history of the world. We need what Jesus Christ offers. And that is in him you are restored. There's now no condemnation. And that's why it's interesting. When, When we die, we're gonna go to heaven and we're gonna realize, oh my gosh, I might have sold God short because all along he was loving me. And do you know the final frontier of human performance? Do you know what it is? We're now discovering it's love. The final frontier of what frees up a human to flow in the fullness of who God made them to be. Oh, by the way, it's love. Dina Castor wrote a book a few years ago. She's an Olympian runner. She holds the women's record for the marathon in America. And I love this book because I read this stuff all the time. And yet, and she's, not, she's, she's Jewish, she's not a Christian, but how her thinking changed her running, her book title was called Let Your Mind Run. It was just so good how she, over time, changed her body by changing the way she thought. Instead of saying, I'm tired today, I don't feel like working out, she would say, boy, I worked hard yesterday, today I want to grow. And that literally, over time, began to change her body. She experienced being transformed by her thinking. And she said this, Indian researchers investigating the biochemistry of belief wrote that each and every tiny cell in our body is perfectly and absolutely aware of our thoughts, feelings, and, of course, our beliefs if you believe you are fragile the biochemistry of your body unquestionably obeys and manifests it if you believe you are tough irrespective of your weight and bone density your body undeniably mirrors it the body experiences joy at the cellular level every person here i hope at the end of this series you can say you got me i'm all in I'm a boxer. I'm going to learn who I am, and I'm going to learn whose I am, because the truth shall set you free. Amen. The truth shall set you free. And I, there are people in this room right now that know this to be true, and, and the Holy Spirit is saying to so many of you, you just go, keep going, keep trusting me. It's not about religion and achievement. It's about not do, it's about D O N E, what Christ has done for you, and that's the truest thing about you, and there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Now we're gonna pray, and then we have six stations of communion in the room. And the interesting thing about this today is this um, Gary Sweet was telling me this week, I had never heard this story about a guy who used to go off his back porch and go, Lions, get away! Every morning, he'd go, lions, away. And one day, his neighbor goes, you know, there aren't any lions within 3,000 miles of here. And he goes, I know, it's working, isn't it? <laughs> so, so in our culture, you go, well, uh, yeah, just believe. There's, a, there's an insurance curse. that says, if you believe, you will. But you can believe something, and that changes you because you believe it so strong. But is there any basis for that? so I can have strong belief standing on a thin sheet of ice but that's not as secure as a as is you know my strong belief on a thin sheet of ice which you got to be really careful how you say that thin sheet of ice it it is not as as secure as a little bit of confidence on an iceberg because it's not about how much faith you have it's about the object of your faith and I want you to know our big you, little you stuff is not just this psychological fluff that, oh, just believe in yourself and you, what the brain can believe, the body can achieve. you know, It's not that. It's rooted in an iceberg of truth and reality that sets you free. So today, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, that Christ invites you to take of bread and juice that are symbols of a reality that's beyond bread and juice. It's not just, I think this becomes the body and blood of Christ. It's, this is rooted in a truth that's way beyond what I think. What I think about it, yes, that's important. Belief affects your mind, but there is a truth in this that is not just me believing on a thin sheet of ice. It's, I have a belief, and I'm standing on an iceberg, I'm standing on an iceberg. It's immovable in Christ. So let's pray. And we want to give you a chance to just go to those stations, go back to your seat, and just, you know, just take some time to say, I know sin ruined me, but Jesus, you have redeemed me, and I'm on a path of restoration. And someday the world's going to see big me. <laughs> someday uh, the world's going to see a, a, a different me that you transformed and uh if you're here today just be respectful of people that may be around you taking in the communion if you don't want to take communion today that's perfectly fine go out and give a big offering out there at the information (laughs) counter before you leave and that'll suffice let's pray so father thank you for this truth that is rooted in the gospel The gospel is the declaration that Caesar would have, here's how I'm going to save the world through Rome. And Christ came and said, here is my gospel. My gospel says sin has ruined you, but I have given you the antidote that cures the human condition, that my blood will set you free. And the truth, the truth of ruination and redemption is an acknowledgement that leads to restoration. And now I can offer my body not for achievement, not for advancement, but for the worship of my creator and my redeemer that every dribble I take, every test question I answer, every book I study, every dance move I make is for the glory of my redeemer. And everybody said... Amen. See you next week for part three, everybody.